chapter six of my confession by leo tolstoy this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter six in my search for a solution of the problem of life i experienced the same feeling as a man who has lost himself in a wood he comes to an open plain climbs up a tree and sees around him a space without end but nowhere a house he sees clearly that there can be none he goes into the thick of the wood into the darkness and sees darkness but again no house thus had i lost my way in the wood of human knowledge in the twilight of mathematical and experimental science which opened out for me a clear and distant horizon in the direction of which there could be no house and in the darkness of philosophy plunging me into a greater gloom with every step i took until i was at last persuaded that there was and could be no issue when i followed what seemed the bright light of learning i saw that i had only turned aside from the real question notwithstanding the attraction of the distant horizon unfolded so clearly before me notwithstanding the charm of losing myself in the infinity of knowledge i saw that the clearer it was the less was it needed by me the less did it give me an answer to my question i said to myself i know now all that science so obstinately seeks to learn but an answer to my question as to the meaning of my life is not to be obtained from science i saw that philosophy notwithstanding that or perhaps because an answer to my question had become the direct object of its inquiries gave no answer but the one i had given to myself what is the meaning of my life it has none or what will come of my life nothing or why does all that is exist and why do i exist because it does exist when i turned to one branch of science i obtained an endless number of exact answers to questions i had not proposed about the chemical elements of the stars and planets about the movement of the sun with the constellation of hercules on the origin of species and of man about the infinitely small and weightless particles of ether but the only answer to my question as to the meaning of my life was this you are what you call life that is a temporary and accidental agglomeration of particles the mutual action and reaction of these particles on each other has produced what you call your life this agglomeration will continue during a certain time then the reciprocal action of these particles will cease and with it ends what you call your life and all your questions as well you are an accidentally combined lump of something the lump undergoes decomposition this decomposition men call life the lump falls asunder decomposition ceases and with it all doubting this is the answer from the clear and positive side of human knowledge and if true to its own principles it can give no other such an answer however is no answer to the question at all i want to know the meaning of my life and that it is an infinite particle not only does not give a meaning to it but destroys the possibility of a meaning the compromise which experimental makes with theoretical science when it is said that the meaning of life is development and the efforts made towards its attainment from its obscurity and inaccuracy cannot be considered an answer the theoretical side of human knowledge when it keeps firmly to its own principles through all time has ever answered and still answers one and the same the world is something which is eternal and not to be understood the life of man is an inconceivable part of this inconceivable whole 
again i set aside all the compromises between theoretical and experimental science which are the product of the sham sciences of so-called jurisprudence of political economy and of history in these sciences we have again a false conception of development and perfection with this difference that formerly it was a development of everything and now it is a development of human life the inaccuracy is again the same development and perfection in infinity can have no object no direction and therefore can give no answer to my question whenever theoretical knowledge is exact where philosophy is true to itself and does not simply serve like what schopenhauer calls professorial philosophy to divide all existing phenomena into new columns and give to them new names wherever the philosopher does not overlook the great question of all the answer is always the same the answer given by socrates schopenhauer solomon and buddha we approach truth only in the proportion as we are farther from life says socrates when preparing to die what do we who love truth seek in life in order to be free from the body and all the ills that accompany life in it if so then how shall we not be glad of the approach of death a wise man seeks death all his life and death has no terrors for him this is what schopenhauer says except will as the ultimate principle of the universe and in all phenomena from the unconscious tendencies of the unknown forces of nature to the conscious activity of man acknowledge only conscious activity of man acknowledge only the objectivity of that will from the unconscious tendencies of the unknown forces of nature to the conscious activity of man acknowledge only the objectivity of that will and we still cannot get rid of this logical consequence that directly that will uses its freedom to abdicate to deny and destroy itself all phenomena disappear with it there is an end to the constant efforts and impulses now going on without aim and without intermission in every degree of the objectivity in which and through which the universe exists there is an end to the varieties of successive forms and with form vanish its postulates space and time even to the last and fundamental elements of form the subject and the object if there is no will no phenomenal appearance then there is no universe the only thing that remains to us is nothing but this passage to annihilation is opposed by our own nature by our will to live which causes our existence and that of the universe that we so fear annihilation or what is the same that we so wish to live only shows that we ourselves are nothing but that wish and know nothing beyond it consequently what remains to us after the annihilation of will except will again is assuredly nothing on the other hand for those in whom will has destroyed itself the whole of this material universe of ours with all its suns and its milky ways is nothing vanity of vanities says solomon vanity of vanities all is vanity what profit hath a man of all his labour which he taketh under the sun one generation passeth away and another generation cometh but the earth abideth for ever the thing that hath been it is that which shall be and that which is done is that which shall be done and there is no new thing under the sun is there anything whereof it may be said see this is new it hath been already of old time which was before us there is no remembrance of former things neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after 
i the preacher was king over israel in jerusalem and i gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven this sore travail hath god given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith i have seen all the works that are done under the sun and behold all is vanity and vexation of spirit i communed with mine own heart saying lo i am come to great estate and have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in jerusalem yea my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge and i gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly i perceive that this also is vexation of spirit for in much wisdom is much grief and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow i said in mine heart go to now i will prove thee with mirth therefore enjoy pleasure and behold this also is vanity i said of laughter it is mad and of mirth what doeth it i sought in mine heart to give myself unto wine yet acquainting my heart with wisdom and to lay hold on folly till i might see what was that good for the sons of men which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life i made me great works i builded me houses i planted me vineyards i made me gardens and orchards and i planted trees in them of all kinds of fruits i made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees i got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house also i had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in jerusalem before me i gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces i gat me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts so i was great and increased more than all that were before me in jerusalem also my wisdom remained with me and whatsoever mine eyes desired i kept not from them i withheld not mine heart from any joy then i looked on all the works my hands had wrought and on the labour that i had laboured to do and behold all was vanity and vexation of spirit and there was no profit under the sun and i turned myself to behold wisdom and madness and folly and i myself perceive also that one event happeneth to them all then said i in my heart as it happeneth to the fool so it happeneth even to me and why was i then more wise then i said in my heart that this also is vanity for there is no remembrance of the wise more than of the fool for ever seeing that which now is in the days to come shall be forgotten and how dieth the wise man as the fool therefore i hated life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me for all is vanity and vexation of spirit yea i hated all my labour which i had taken under the sun because i should leave it unto the man that shall be after me for what hath man of all his labour and of the vexation of his heart wherein he hath laboured under the sun for all his days are sorrows and his travail grief yea his heart taketh not rest in the night this is also vanity there is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labour this also i saw that it was from the hand of god all things come alike to all there is one event to the righteous and to the wicked to the good and to the clean and to the unclean to him that sacrificeth and to him that sacrificeth not as is the good so is the sinner and he that sweareth as he that feareth an oath this is an evil among all things that are done under the sun 
that there is one event unto all yea also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil and madness is in their heart while they live and after that they go to the dead for to him that is joined to all the living there is hope for a living dog is better than a dead lion for the living know that they shall die but the dead know not anything neither have they any more a reward for the memory of them is forgotten also their love and their hatred and their envy is now perished neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun thus speaks solomon or the one who wrote the above and this is what an indian sage says sakyamuni the young and happy heir to a great throne from whom had been kept the sight of illness old age and death once while out driving saw a horrible-looking toothless old man the prince was much astonished and asked the driver what it meant and why the man was in such a pitiable and disgusting state when he learned that this was the common lot of all men and that he himself prince and young though he was must inevitably one day be the same he was unable to continue his drive and ordered the carriage to be driven home that he might have time to think it all over he shut himself up alone and thought it over he probably thought of something which consoled him for again he got into his carriage and drove off merry and happy this time he is met by a sick man he sees a worn-out tottering man who is quite blue in the face and has dim eyes the prince stopped and asked what it was when he was told that it was illness that old men are subject to it and he himself young and happy prince though he was might fall ill the next day he again lost all desire for amusement and gave orders to drive home there he again sought peace of mind and probably found it for soon after he started again for the third time in his carriage this time however he saw something new also some men were carrying something by what is that a dead body what does a dead body mean asked the prince and he is told that to become one means to become what the man before him now is the prince descends and approaches the body uncovers it and looks at it what will become of him asks the prince he is told that the body will be thrust into a hole dug in the earth why because he will never be alive again and only stench and worms can come from him and that is the lot of all men and it will be so with me i shall be put underground to stink and have worms come from me yes back i will not go for the drive and never will go again so sakyamuni could find no comfort in life and he decided that life was a very great evil and applied all his energies to freeing himself and others from it so that after death life should in no way be renewed and the very root of life should be destroyed thus speak all the indian sages here we have the only direct answers which human wisdom can give to the problem of life the life of the body is evil and a lie and so the annihilation of that life is a good for which we ought to wish says socrates life is what it ought not to be an evil and a passage from it into nothingness is the only good in life says schopenhauer everything in the world both folly and wisdom both riches and poverty rejoicing and grief all is vanity and worthless man dies and nothing is left of him and this again is vanity says solomon to live knowing that sufferings illness old age and death are inevitable is not possible we must get rid of life get rid of the possibility of living says buddha
and what these powerful minds have said what millions on millions of men have thought and felt has been thought and felt by me thus my wanderings over the fields of knowledge not only failed to cure me of my despair but increased it one branch of knowledge gave no answer at all to the problem of life another gave a direct answer which confirmed my despair and showed that the state to which i had come was not the result of my going astray of any mental disorder but on the contrary of my thinking rightly of my being in agreement with the conclusions of the most powerful intellects among mankind i could not be deceived all was vanity a misfortune to be born death was better than life and life's burden must be got rid of End of chapter 6 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine